Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to get into the message here really quick. I got uh, just a, f- a few minutes that I want to share with you, uh, and I'm going to make this really simple. I'll give you an outline here really quick. Today, I want to talk about being a people who blesses the world. I'm going to take you through, I'm going to riff through some, some passages of scripture that will give you three aspects. I think they're pretty practical, but three aspects of blessing the world. And then what I love, the first song that you guys sung, I think you guys wrote it, right? Did your team write it? It's all about joy. I want to talk about how blessing is inextricably connected to being a joy-filled person. So I want to do my best to kind of like sandwich all of that. So that's kind of where we're going. If you're a deductive thinker, that's, I just wanted to get that out for all of those kinds of people. The rest of us don't even worry. I'm just, we'll go for it. Okay. So we're going to begin in our passage, Genesis chapter one. I'm going to again, read through several passages. I'm going to riff through some of them and then uh, we'll get into my message. We'll begin in Genesis chapter one, verse one. This is the prologue of, of prologues. So in the beginning, everyone say in the beginning. The Hebrew word is reshet, which is just an indeterminate specific time uh, period. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God created, we believe this. This is the Christian story. This is our origin story. That God created everything in deep space, the quintillion amount of stars in deep space, to, to, uh, from the Milky Way to the Grand Canyon to your grandma's backyard. All of that God created ex nihilo or out of nothing. However, scientists tell us that cats are not included in this. Cats were not created by God. They are from the spawn of Satan. Right? They're, cats are satanic. Okay. And all the dag, dog, dag, dog people said amen. So... We have God creating for every, all the geological, you know, from the ice ages and the Neolithic period and Lord, all, all the raw materials of the space-time continuum, God created ex nihilo. It's pretty powerful. But in verse 2, we have then a switch. It says the earth was without form and void. I, I believe in historic creationism. I'm not going to get into that. But the earth was without form and void. And historic creation and creationism basically says that in verse 2, we have a different kind of creation story that God is arranging out of the tohu wohu or the desert wasteland, a habitable place for his image bearers. I'm talking really fast because I only have a few amount of, I just have just a few minutes here. But the earth was without form and void, the tohu wohu, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse three, and God said, let there be, everyone say, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Everyone say, saw. So God said, and then he saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. We'll just skip forward to Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 28. And here we have the denouement, this beautiful creation story. God, in full delight, he's a master artist, has, has arranged this beautiful land for his image bearers. And he says in verse 28, or what's read in verse 28, and God blessed them. Everyone say blessed. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, over the sea and over the birds of the air. This is the cultural mandate. And uh, where are we? Verse and over the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. I need to work out, guys. Okay. Breathe, Chris. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that, was, that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. 
And God saw, everyone say saw. God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. I really want to talk about origin stories, but I just have a few moments, so I'm going to have to skip that. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 1 and uh, beginning in verse 10. And when Jesus, he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. This is apocalyptic stuff, right? The heavens are being opened and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice. Everyone say a voice. And a voice came from heaven and said, you, everyone say you, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. And then we come to Galatians chapter three. Beginning in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about how God blesses the world. So if you don't know this, I didn't mention this, but I have three sets of twins. I am not a cult leader, right? I'm not going to say, I'm about to say something I should have said, but uh, my wife is absolutely extraordinary. And then I have a beautiful daughter who is a non-twin, so we have seven children. People ask my wife and I, what does it feel like to parent? Boys, close your ears. It feels like dying. (laughs) No good, sane person should have seven kids. But thank be to God for my beautiful wife. She is absolutely amazing. But this is the thing. This is if, if, how many parents do we have here today? Okay, we have many of you are parents. So if you have multiples, right? If you have one, that's awesome. We love you. But if you have multiples, that's what every day you get this, right? Yes. Dad. Yes. Dad. Yes. Or mom. Yes. Dad. Yes. Dad. Yes. Dad. Yes. Dad. 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 Watch me. See me. Dad, 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 like all day long. I want to say back to my, my children, son, 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 daughter of mine, shut up, right? I don't do that. But this is what's so instinctive with our kids, all seven of my beautiful children, because they're absolutely amazing, is that they have this insatiable desire to be seen. Like my daughter, um, Waverly, she, uh, a, couple, a couple of months ago, she, she really wanted me to see this move, and she did this. That's all she did. And she goes, Dad, watch me. And I'm like, oh, my God, you are amazing, right? So when it comes to, like, our kids and parents, can I get an amen? Like, if you're not a parent, parents, we need your amen on this. Your children, they want you to see them. In fact, our deepest longing is to be known, to be seen, guys, to be acknowledged, to be loved. Children tell this story to us every single day. C.S. Lewis insists um, our longing, our spiritual longing is to be acknowledged. It's to be met with a response. It is to be welcomed to the very heart of things. Can I get an amen? It's not to be uh, treated as strangers in this universe. It's not to be unspeakably ignored. Your desire is to be seen. It's to be loved. It's to be accepted. It's to be met with a response. It's guys, you want that. 
Life is not worth living if you're not accepted, acknowledged, seen, and loved. Like, could you imagine if you're a stranger at your work, a stranger in your marriage, a stranger in your family, a stranger at church, a stranger with your friends? You cannot possibly sustain that kind of life. So how, the question is that we have to answer here today, how does God bless the world, right? It's really important for us to understand this because blessing, we've, we've domesticated blessing. We've turned it into, um, when you sneeze, what do we say? God bless you. Now let me ask you this question. Has your life ever been changed? When you sneeze and someone say, says, God bless you? And you're like, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. No. And yet, like in our modern imagination, we've, we've truncated the blessing of God as something like that or a blessing at prayer over your food. And usually most of us get food poisoning. Like I, we just stop praying over our food, right? No, I'm kidding. But what, the point that I want to make is that blessing is actually woven in the entire biblical drama and is, or excuse me, I'll say it this way. The entire biblical drama is centered around God's blessing. You want God's blessing. You can't live without God's blessing. So how does God bless the world really quick? When we look at the Genesis 1 pattern, there's a lyrical pattern that we find, and I mentioned it to you as we read through Genesis 1. What happens? God speaks over his creation. He then what? Sees it. And then he blesses it. How does God bless the world? He blesses it by seeing it. Genesis 16, I love this. The first name given to God in the Bible is El Roy, which simply means the God who sees. And what I love about Genesis chapter 16, it's, it's all centered around a domestic dispute. If you know the story, it's the story of Hagar, who was kicked out of the house by Sarah. Uh, Hagar is neglected and treated harshly. And within this complicated situation of being homeless, an angel of the Lord comes to her in her weakness and in her homelessness and blesses her. And then Hagar, as a response, names God this, you are the God of seeing someone needs to hear this today some of you feel unspeakably ignored you feel like you are on the outside not on the inside right you feel like the door has been metaphorically closed to you you've been on the outside you've been knocking you've been trying to get on the inside of blessing and you just kind of feel like God has ignored you somehow God's distracted he's on his cosmic phone and he's distracted from what you're going through and all the complicated emotions that you're processing or maybe some of us just assume that God's stressing out about all the problems in this world and he can't see you but what we find within the biblical drama is that God is the one who sees every aspect of your life so God is not distracted he's the one who sees the trauma that you carry he knows what happened to you at the age of five he knows the unspeakable horror that you experienced at 12 he knows the shame that some of you carry around. So he knows the chronic depression that you experience and you put on a good face and you're not quite sure if you can tell or give expression to what you're experiencing because you don't know if people are gonna reject you or accept you. God sees all things. And it, it's his intent to bring blessing on your life. I'm gonna speak more to this issue but I think we just have to move on really quick. So how, does, how do we bless the world? If God blesses the world by seeing it, how do we as followers of Jesus bless the world? 
but we bless it by also seeing people. How do you see people? It's pretty simple, right? This is not going to be profound. Uh, you notice them. It, well, hey, there, there are so many people. There's so many fakers out there. Right. For, for example, when you, when you go to Target, and I do this all the time. I don't know why I do this because I'm a pastor and I think about a lot of different things about human nature and anthropology and where people are at. But for some reason, when I go to Target, I just there's magic there, and so I lose my mind and I just think <laughs> it's weird. Target is like ah, um, but I go in to Target and I just assume everyone is basically happy. Or you go to McDonald's, you just assume everyone's basically happy. Yeah. Or you go through Starbucks, everyone's basically happy. You go through your life, you just assume, because we're fakers, yeah. that everyone is basically happy. And here's the honest truth. Most people, irrespective of their status and their money and all the stuff that they have, good or bad, going on, are not, un, are not um, unencumbered by uh, happiness or whatever, right? Most people are, in many ways, miserable. How does the church bless the world? We bless the world. In fact, we lift off depression and we lift off shame first by just simply noticing people. Saying hello. Smiling. Saying, what's your name? Right, how are you doing? This is what I love about Mark and Rochelle, your lead pastors. This is what they practice. And this is what I love about this church because this is what you guys do all the time. I can feel it in the air, in the atmosphere. You guys are a welcoming church. Let me just tell you something. A welcoming church is a blessed church. A welcoming church is tapped into the reality of who God is. When you welcome people, you bless people and here's the thing I know we want to like spiritualize this but when you simply notice people when you say hey how you doing what's your name you're talking to a stranger whatever and say hey I just want to let you know that God loves you or whatever you buy them a coffee or you're in line you buy their groceries or whatever just several ways of noticing someone in so many ways just lifts off the spiritual depression that so many people are under right now so the church is called to bless the world, guys, by acknowledging it, by stepping out of its comfort and its distraction. And as we walk in the power of the Spirit, in the collaborative relationship that we have with God the Father, the power of the curse in our world is broken. But let me say this really quick, because I have to really move um, uh, forward here quickly. Second service, I'm going to go about four hours, okay? But the logic is, if, if the logic is this, if we bless the world... And by blessing the world is to see it, then to not see the world is to curse it. A distract, and this is what crazy, this is crazy, but I really believe this. A distracted age in our technocratic age is a cursed age. So what is curse? I'll define it really quick. It's just a suppression of life. Within a cursed environment, life can't grow. It can't flourish. I don't care how handsome you are. I don't care if you work out all the time. I don't care if you have all the money in the world. If you're living within a cursed environment, bye-bye. Sorry, bye-bye. Don't deceive yourself. Don't internalize the lie that you can live outside of God's blessing and have all the fruits of God's blessing. It's impossible. 
a cursed environment is a distracted environment. For example, I went to a conference a long time ago. You don't know this conference. You have no, I don't ask me questions who these, these people were, but I was in a green room. It was a large green room with a lot of leaders and we were, it was in a different country. Okay. So it wasn't in America. America's great. Awesome. All right, go America. Shoot your guns in the air. Poo, poo, poo. All right. Anyways, what's wrong with me? Um, it was in a different country, and we were in the green room, and I, like, I'm an introvert. How many introverts do we have here, right? So, but I've learned to be an omnivert. There's, like, this is why I love this church. There were four of you. Introverts, I have come from Idaho bringing good tidings of joy to all four of you. Like, my church is filled with introverts. Mark and Rochelle's church is filled with extroverts, all right? I love it. No. But I've learned how to be an, uh, an omnivert, right? An omnivert, you're in a particular environment, so you know how to fake being an extrovert. So I'm in this room faking it, right? Asking questions, being charismatic, you know, knowing how to... I've been in ministry for a long time, so I, I, I know how green, work, green rooms work. But it was interesting. I was asking questions after questions after questions after questions, and literally no one's asking me questions back. I got to the point where, like, I wanted to stop everything and say... Hi, my name is Chris. Does anybody care? You know? And, and I remember thinking, I remember, and I can't, it's, it's, it's hard to articulate, but I remember thinking there was something wrong with this environment. Everyone was focused on themselves and were talking to a specific person that they were literally looking over everyone else. I didn't realize it at that moment, but that environment that I was in, in was a cursed environment because in a way there was this implicit hierarchy and we weren't noticing and welcoming each other and by cursed environment I'm not saying that there was a witch in the room brewing some potion cursing people right no what I'm saying is that by virtue of not noticing each other, we were inhabiting a cursed environment. What I love about this church is that you notice each other. What I love about this church is that you notice the people in this world. And the more you notice, the more you welcome. And the more you welcome, the more you bless. And the more you bless, guys, the more the curse and the depression and the shame that sits on people gets lifted. Number two, really quick, how do we bless the world? Well, we bless the world by speaking well of it. Remember, the Genesis 1 lyrical pattern is that God spoke. He saw creation, but he also spoke creation into being. Uh, the Hebrew word for blessing is barak. It means to speak the full intention or expectation of God. The New Testament uses two words for blessing. One is makarios, which a lot of different translations, uh, but the basic translation is happiness. There's another Greek word that literally means to speak well of. It's where we get our word um, eulogy from. Luke 24 says this. Actually, I'll say it this way. Luke 24 tells us that Jesus ascends into heaven. And before he ascends into heaven, he speaks over his disciples a blessing. What does that mean? He spoke the full intention of God over them. John Tyson says this about blessing. Blessing someone is to say, may God's full expectation for you be fulfilled in your life. One of my favorite pastors, he says this, all three moments where we hear the audible voice of the Father over Jesus in all canonical gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we only hear the Father saying this, 
you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's all the son of God Jesus needed to hear. He didn't need to hear the mysteries of the cosmos. He didn't need to hear that like in, two, in the 2000s, um, Bill Gates would be the new antichrist, right? Whatever that is. You know, ah. That didn't work, so I had to like, ah. All right, let's move on, right? No, the only words the son of God needed to hear is, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father spoke the words of love over his son. Jesus was blessed by his father, and Jesus lived from his father's blessing. He lived from his father's blessing, and he lived from the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's much that I could talk about this. This is just a loaded theological concept. I don't have time to talk about this, but it's so important for us to understand that the most important word spoken over Jesus was I love you from the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, who is singular, cosmically singular. If you want to break down the hypostatic union of Jesus, fully God, fully man. Not you or I. The most important words for him was that he was loved. How much more do we need to hear the Father's voice over us that were loved. So how did Jesus defeat Hasatan, the Satan and the powers? He did it by living from the blessing. How did Jesus fulfill his mission? He did it by living from the blessing. How did he, how did he endure unimaginable suffering? He did it by living from God's blessing. What was Jesus' source? I love you. You're my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is how Jesus did what Jesus did. So here, and I want to change gears a little bit, but here's the source of our modern pathologies. It's this. The problem with many followers of Jesus is that we don't live from the words of our father. In fact, we we live from a cursed consciousness. I'm talking to Christians here today. A consciousness that is that has internalized the bad expectations that have been spoken over us or expectations we have spoken over our own lives. So what do we do? We we live from our shame. We live from our past. We live from our trauma. We live from my dad said this over me, so I'm gonna that's who I am. Or we live from an authority figure that said this or did this to me. Or we even live from the words that we speak over ourselves internally. And when we do that, we live inside a curse. And remember, you cannot grow if you live inside a curse. If you internalize the lies, if you internalize the trauma, if you internalize a curse consciousness, you, it doesn't matter how good a preacher you have or how great of a church that you have, if you live inside a curse, you cannot grow. But here's the thing, if you are in Christ, this is the wonderful news, and I wish I had time to explicate this, but if you are in Christ, here's the thing, what the Father has said over Jesus, the Father also says over you. So you don't have to live from a cursed consciousness. You don't have to live from a place of trauma. And I want to say this with, as much sensitivity as possible, because I know we all have our stuff, right? 
We all have our crap. Can I get an amen to that? You don't have to live from your crap anymore. You don't have to live from why he said this and she said this or I did this and I'm haunted by my past. You don't have to live from a cursed consciousness as a follower of Jesus. You can live from the blessing of the Father. And this is why, this is what, what um, sticks in my craw, okay? This is Idaho saying, okay? I've never said that before in my life, but we're just going with it. The Holy Spirit's here today. What's so important for us to understand, and I just don't like this saying, it's like we always kind of say, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Stop it! No, through faith and repentance, if you're in Christ, Ephesians makes it very clear. I can walk you through the New Testament corpus. You are now a new creation. So we are not going to essentialize our identity as sinners saved by grace. No, you are now, if you're in Christ, adopted as a son and daughter who sins, right? But we don't essentialize our sin. Guys, if you are in Christ, you are a son and daughter. And the Father is saying, I love you. The Father is saying, guys, if you just knew the dreams that I have for your life, the Father right now is saying, you don't have to live from that trauma. You don't have to live from that anxiety. You don't have to, have to live from that pain. You can live. You can live today because you're in me. I have to go. I wish there was just so much, so much more I could say. But I remember at the age of 12, uh, I, at, at that point, all I did was play basketball. And I uh, went to a camp, and I was sitting in the back. I was a pastor's kid, and Rochelle was in the front, and glory smoke was all over her. <laughs> she got all the amazing words. She was going to change the world. The redhead, not much, right? <laughs> How many redheads do we have here? I love you. Okay, come on. Blessing on you. We have put up with so much stuff, and it stops today. <laughs> like, what am I even talking about? <laughs> Lord have mercy. But let me just say this really quick. I, I, so I'm in, sitting in the back, and there was a prophet who came in, and it was really a Holy Spirit moment. And I was the last person to pray, to pray over. And I remember just thinking, okay, just pray that I would become the next MJ, right? <laughs> I wanted to play in the NBA. I just was obsessed with playing basketball. And this is what he said. He says, Chris, there, you're going to be a kid. You're going to be a boy for a long time. But there will be a time in your life where God will give you major responsibility in the kingdom of God. Not only that, but you have a major wisdom gift. There's a depth to you, which at that point, I'm like, I have depth? <laughs> no, dude, you, you got the wrong guy. And I remember my response to that, that message over my life was, oh, crap. I wanted, you know, crap. But as I look back, because I wanted to be a basketball player, right? But at the age of 12. But I'm, as I look back, I realized those words, even though I didn't realize at the moment, called out the full expectation of God over me. Please don't underestimate how your words can change a destiny and even give shape to identity. So how do we bless the world? We speak the full expectation over people. We speak the full expectation of God over the people we see. Your words have the power to call out the gifts and calling of God on people. Finally, as I close, how do we bless the world? The last one, number three, is you have to learn to give your life away. Buh, 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 right? 
You have to learn to give your life away. How did God bless the world? As we close, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The background of this passage is Genesis 3. Really quick, Adam and Eve choose to believe a lie in this passage. They minimize God's goodness and ultimately are persuaded by the temptation to define reality on their own terms. We'll go on. What does God do in response to them? Does he curse Adam and Eve? No. Does he come to Adam and Eve as a storm theophany, desiring to annihilate them? No. He comes to them in love, inviting them into confession. So what does God do? God does curse the serpent figure. God does curse the land. But here's this is interesting. God never, and I get this from Tyler State, never cursed Adam and Eve. God simply gave them over the consequences of the curse. And since that moment until Jesus, all of creation sat or lived under the curse. So what did God do in the historical drama of a cursed creation? Because the curse had worked its way into the very fabric of every aspect of life. We know this. And we're partially living within this even today. All of life, all of creation was touched by the curse. Well, first we find throughout the Old Testament that God comes to his people. And what does he do? He forgives them. The Old Testament word for forgiveness means to lift up, to carry, to take away. We come to the New Testament. Again, there's just so much that I would love to unpack, but I just can't. But it's in Jesus' unique death for us that the curse is lifted, forgiven, lifted off of our lives, and the blessing of God is released. The grace of God, I want to get into this, is unconditioned. It means you don't have to meet any conditions prior to God coming to you. God's not like saying, hey, you got to do this, 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 and this before you come to me. God always comes to us. And when we open as a response our lives in faith and repentance to God, God then releases his blessing. How does this work? Well, I, I would love to break down the mosaic of atonement within this, but I can't. But I just will give you a simple illustration. My wife and I, we have a Berkey water filter. And what I love about the water filter, it gives us fresh water. Right? And my wife tells me there's a lot of pollutants and chemicals in our water, so I just follow her lead, right? And uh, so we have this wonderful Berkey water filter. And what it does by design is that you put water in it and it holds on to the pollutants. It keeps it. It doesn't let go. It holds on to all the nasty stuff in the water. And what does it do? By design, it only releases fresh water. Here is a provocative picture of what Jesus has done for us. He went to the cross on our behalf. He took the curse. He exhausted it. He kept it. He held on to it. He didn't let it go. And then he only released life and blessing and love and favor and hope and newness of life. Come on. Amen. You may be seated. I'm almost done. The gospel is about how God blessed the world by exhausting the curse of sin through the Son's death. This is a unique one-off event, but it's also 
paradigmatic for us or it's a paradigm for blessing the world. So how do we bless the world as I close? Well, we learn to give our lives away like Jesus gave his life away. But Chris, how do we do that? Especially when we don't feel like blessing the world. Have you ever woke up one day and you felt like blessing the world or you didn't feel like blessing the world but you know you have to bless the world, right? How do we do that? Well, we bless the world even when we don't feel blessed by learning to give our life away. So how do we do that? Number one, we internalize who we are in Christ. But I think even more importantly, the way we bless the world when we feel unblessed, which is not true, it's just a feeling. Can I get an amen to that? The way we bless the world as followers of Jesus, even when our feels don't line up, is by acting like God. And here's the thing. And even when you don't feel like it, and you act like God in doing so, this is what happens. You give your life away. So here's the logic. When you act like God, I get this from Ronald Rollheiser, by seeing people, these are my words though, but by seeing people and speaking well of them as we talked about, it will always lead to a sacrificial life of love. When you ask them, what's your name? They're like, Susie. I'm just coming up with names, guys. And then Susie starts, and you start to ask, okay, what's your story? And then Susie starts, starts to say your, her story. And then you're like overwhelmed by just God's goodness. You sense his presence. And then, you, and then you pay for Susie's lunch, right? That's just a simple way of what happens when you start to act like God. When you see people, you start to speak well of them. What happens? It always leads to a life of sacrificial love. So when you act like God... By noticing people and speaking well of them, it leads to this life of God. And here's the thing, or a life of love. When you act like God, you'll begin to feel what God feels. When you bless, right? When you bless others, when you see them, when you feel unblessed, or you're just, you're, maybe you feel like your life is unraveling and, and you just, you're just like, I, I can't make sense of my life. And yet you make a decision to bless like God blesses other people. Guess what happens? Depression is lifted off of your life. Shame is lifted. Confusion is lifted. Because here's the thing, what does God feel? God feels joy. Hebrews chapter 12, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. So when you start to act like God by seeing people and blessing them, you're going to start feeling what God feels. And that is unimaginable joy. You see, the opposite of joy is what? It's a cursed life. Let me just, as I close here, and then I'm going to pray. But we preachers, we lie all the time. That was my fourth closing. But your neurobiology is designed, please hear me, your neurobiology is designed for joy. I don't know if you know this. I get this from one pastor. Neurobiologists have shown that while most brain development stops somewhere in childhood, the brain's joy center continues to grow. You have a joy center in your brain. Did you know that? Experts explain when the joy center has been uh, sufficiently developed, it regulates emotions, pain control, immunity centers, etc. It guides us to act like ourselves. It releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. And it is the only part of the brain that overrides the main drive centers which control food and sexual impulses, terror and rage. 
This is why when in Nehemiah it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is why David said, please restore the joy of my salvation. This is why he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When you act like God, you become a person of joy. And when you're a person of joy, you overcome every sin. You have the power to walk in his grace. You become a world changer. You change your family. You become a change agent. Come on, somebody. Depression is lifted off, and the Lord is glorified through you. Can I get an amen? Can we give it up to Jesus? All right, remain standing. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have Pastor Mark come up. I've gone too long, but I just want to say this. I, I want to pray for healing as your eyes are closed. If you do this really quick. I, there's some people in here, I, I'm going to pray for those you've internalized lies and shame and trauma. You're living from a cursed consciousness. You still think of your, yourself in the way your dad spoke over you 10 years ago. Or maybe a friend spoke over you. Or maybe there are things that you've said over yourself and you just have this, this overwhelming sense of inadequacy and you can't break its power. I believe today, how many believe that God can heal? How many believe that God is not the great I was, he is the great I am? So he's present here to bring healing to your life. Some of you are beset by sin patterns and you can't break them. God's going to break them today. He's going to bring healing in your mind and your heart. And if that's you, whether it's your, you're dealing with trauma and maybe you're walking around with a wound, a festering wound, you've never been able to get, get rid of it based on something you've experienced in your past. Maybe you're haunted by your past and bad decisions, etc. But today you want the healing power of Jesus to come and set you free from living from a cursed consciousness and you want to live from a blessed consciousness. You want to know the love of God in a fresh way. If that's you today, as your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, I'm going to pray for you. On the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Anyone like that? All over the place. I see those hands all over the place. All right, if you raise your hand, take your hand, put it on your heart. And I'm going to pray this one quick prayer and then Pastor Mark's going to come and finish this service out. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you right now the healing power of Jesus will come and set your sons and daughters free. I think you would come and that the love of God would cast out all fear. I thank you, Father, any cursed consciousness, just any woundedness. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask you would come and bring healing. I already know you're already healing. This whole, this whole service, you've been healing people and they didn't even know it. So, Father, I just say yes to what you're already doing in the hearts and the minds of your sons and daughters here today. So we say yes to you, Jesus. Come and set everyone free from a cursed consciousness in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say yes to you, Holy Spirit. We say yes to your word. We thank you that your word does not return void, but accomplishes what it's sent to do. So I thank you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the power of the Holy Spirit be released into your people here today in Jesus' name. One last thing, and I'm going to give it over to Mark. With your eyes closed. There's some people that you've been contemplating suicide, taking your life. You've been thinking really dark thoughts, maybe the last week, maybe the last month. I just feel like this is the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to have you do anything weird. I'm not going to have you come up front, but I just want to pray for you. Just let me say this. Suicide does not come from God. It's a demonic spirit. Everything you're feeling, if that's you, everything you're thinking does not come from your Father who loves you. 
it's 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 a spirit it's a power it's a malevolent power that's trying to destroy the wonderful purpose in you you have purpose your future is bright and if that's you with there could you just bow your heads one last time you guys are amazing close your eyes if that's you and you say Chris that's me and I've really been struggling with some really bad thoughts some dark thoughts I've been thinking about harming myself could you just lift up your hands anyone like that just show me any hands anyone like that okay all right father I thank you for anyone that's going through any dark thoughts any thoughts that would cause them to uh, bring harm to themselves we thank you father for your freedom in Jesus name fill them with your life fill them with your presence we love you Jesus we thank you that they would know that they have purpose today we don't take this lightly we rebuke the lying spirit over them and we release the love of the father over their bodies their brains their heart their emotions in your name we pray and everyone said amen so powerful you can feel it stirring right now there's two types of healings that are going to happen right now you can feel it in the atmosphere there's emotional healing happening it's mental it's physical and there's also like this physical healing that's even connected spiritually that God's even forgiving shame and, and like I love that analogy what he shared about the filter God absorbing the toxins and releasing his blessing if you're here today and you say Mark that was me maybe Chris just prayed for me but if you're here today physically or mentally and I don't want to go into depth but I did see I saw a like a red station wagon or a minivan it was a red station wagon red minivan it was like a like I saw it I think it was like even in the late 90s or early 2000s you got a really bad accident uh, you were like stopped or you got you got hit really hard by a, it was like a truck and uh, your back and your body has never been the same and I, I saw God healing you in this service I also saw there was a woman when you were younger, some point in your life, maybe it's even kind of recent, but you uh, you worked at a nightclub. I won't go into depth, but I, actually I gotta say it because it's part of your testimony. I saw the Lord saying that he's gonna heal you and you're gonna write a, a book one day because this is a brand new season for you. And I saw like a title, I think it could be a bestseller. And it says something like from stripper to scholar. And I saw God literally redeeming your story from not having a value to literally being a child of the Most High God. Who believes God redeems stories like this? So I'm going to ask you, whether it's physical or whether it's mental or, or spiritual, if you need a touch from God, you want the blessing of God to literally break off the curse of what you're feeling, what you're living in, what you've grown up in. And you say, Mark, today would you pray that God would take on the toxins to heal me physically, mentally? Could be a back, it could be a brain. God can heal it all. If that's you, just lift your hands all over the room. We're going to pray for you. Doesn't make you weird. It makes you honest. If you, We all need prayer sometimes. I would love it if God would heal my mind. I would love it if God would heal my L4. I would love it, man, if God would heal my T3. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands. Someone's hip fluxor. Raise your hands. I dare you. If you would get hungry for God, watch what God would do for you. Just lift your hands, physical or mental, spiritual healing. If your hand's up, just keep it up. Keep your eyes closed like you're going to receive a gift. Put both hands towards God, both hands towards God. And our church is what we do. The Bible says very clearly that we'll lay hands. Believers will lay hands on those that are sick, and they will recover. 
So if your hands aren't up, I'm going to ask you to be part of this. We're a praying church. If you could open your eyes and just find someone near you that has their hand up, just put your hand on their shoulder. Maybe one or two of you doesn't take 30 people, just one or two. I would love it though if everyone that has a hand up would have someone that prays for them. Come on, just muster up every ounce of faith that you got. Lay your hands on their shoulder, just on their shoulder. And just pray this prayer in agreement. Say, Lord Jesus, we invite your Holy Spirit to touch, to heal, and to break every curse. Physical, mental, spiritual, we release the blood of the Lamb right now to wash, to cleanse, to heal, to restore. We declare a redemptive story, a blessed story that would bless the world. In Jesus' name we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you believe God's doing it right now, you fill in your body. Come on, all over the room. Come on, erupt. Ten seconds of great praise. Ten seconds of great praise. Come on, give him a hand clap like he's opening up blind eyes and deaf ears. Come on, give him a good shout of praise. Hey! We have an uncle in the faith. He lives in Ventura. And he led his neighbor to the Lord. This guy... He moved in, he was renting a house, but this guy was really wealthy and um, he moved into the neighborhood and he, he had all these fancy cars and he had, no one knew what he did for a living. And my uncle was out mowing his lawn one day in the faith and he, he started talking to this guy and just got to know his name. And the neighbors found out that he was one of the largest pornography producers, that he owned the huge pr pr pornography company. And my uncle, everyone in the neighborhood just shut down to him and just said, let's kick this guy out of the neighborhood. And my, my, our uncle in the faith, he said, let me take you out to coffee. And when everybody else turned their back on this guy, he just started loving on him. And in a coffee shop, this pastor, uncle in the faith of ours, started literally sharing God's love over this guy that had a traumatic childhood. He's a Jewish guy. And he was raised in, in that world and literally turned away from God altogether. And he literally got in this dark lifestyle. And he had a game, he, 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 they started praying. He's like, I feel embarrassed to pray in here. Can we pray in my car? And they went into his Mercedes. He had an AMG. My uncle in faith calls it the Almighty God. And he got into his AMG Mercedes, and they turned this Mercedes into a temple. And literally in this car, this guy gives his heart to Jesus. He would literally step away from his pornography company, and literally he sold everything, got out of everything, actually gave up everything, lost money on it. And this guy would go into ministry, a two-year period later, he would disciple this guy, and this guy wrote a book. And, and he, he went from pornography industry to a soft-serve frozen yogurt. And he wrote a book that, that says, the title of it was, From Hardcore to Soft Serve. And this guy's story was redemptive. And I believe, are you hearing me today? I feel like there's some people, San Juan, in here that God wants to redeem dark stories and broken childhoods into stories that would bless the world. Who believes that God will do it in Orange County? Who believes God will do it in Ocean's Church? No one in this tent is outside of the love and the reach of God. I don't care how you, you sold your body. I don't care where you grew up, what your parents, how they lived, what people did to you. No one here today is unlovable by God. No one here today is unloved by God. You have not accumulated enough filth 
to make God be repelled from you. You know what's crazy? When I, had, when I held other people's kids, I did not. When they go to the bathroom, I'm like, take them. I smelled something stinky, take them. But it was wild when I had my own kids. The first two and a half years of their life, they pretty much tried every day to get me not to love them. They threw up on me. They went to the bathroom. I, I, I underwent some, I mean, I had clothes. You ever have a diaper blowout? My kids tried everything they could to be so filthy that the father would stop loving them. But I just want you to know today that my kids were never so stinky that I wouldn't pick them up and I wouldn't clean them. Are you hearing me today? And I just feel God today. Some of you, you've never responded to something like this. And right now, I'm going to close this service really quickly by asking you today, if you are not walking and living with Jesus and for Jesus, and you say, I would love it today if I could give my life to God, and if God could do that for that guy from hardcore or whatever to soft-served frozen yogurt, if God could redeem his story, I would love it if he would redeem my story. Maybe it's not something like that, but maybe it's just you have anger and issues, and maybe it's something really just dark in your soul. Today is the day of salvation. Many others, you need to really re give your whole heart to God. Some of you have given God 50% of your life. God's not in there. He's not interested in 50%. He wants all of your heart. So today, if you want to give God everything in you, rededicate your life to Jesus or for the first time, put your faith in God. We are out of time. I would love it if you would raise your hands. Eyes closed. I'll give you three seconds to raise your hands. But I'd ask you to start raising your hands. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to count the hands because every hand has a name. Every name has a story. And every one of those stories matter to God. Everyone matters to God. I'll give you three seconds. There's probably six hands up already. One, I'll give you a few seconds, probably 15 or 20 hands today. Two, I know today is the day that God begins to bless. Three, really high, really high. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I see two, I see three, real high, real high, real high. I see four, five, six, seven, eight, real high, real high. Nine, I see in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Nine hands. That's awesome. Ten hands. Thank you. Thank you. I see that lady. Awesome. Would you pray this prayer, Oceans Church, today with those 10 as we close? Let's invite God all the way in. Say, Lord, today I invite you, Spirit of God, to make your home in me. Make me a new creation. I want to live in Christ, to be loved by the Father, accepted by the Father, and to live a blessed life to be a blessing to the world. Lead me, forgive me, heal me, and use me to be your blesser in Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer, go ahead and say amen with the rest of us. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.